Welcome to you, wherever you are at, whomever you're with. We're so very glad that you are here with us for these few moments. And as we dig into a great uh, study this morning, I do want to invite you to uh, check out the U version. If you don't already have it on your phone or on your device, just go to your app store, search for U version. It's a free app that is just full of a wealth of resources, materials, different translations of the Bible. And if you hit the drop down menu, click on events, you'll find a complete set of notes to this weekend's message. Well, we are in a series called Powerful Life. Powerful Life. And it's based on this truth that we cannot live full lives without being empowered. We need to receive uh, the wherewithal and the ability in order to live life well in this world. Uh, a number of years ago, I was on a uh, building trip uh, to Haiti. And we were in a part of the country, this may be true in most parts of the country, but where we were, the power grid was only up for a few hours a day. And uh, if uh, you happened to be in that area where the grid was up, you made sure your cell phone was plugged in for those few hours uh, so that you could get a little bit of charge on. Well, in the evening, uh, you know, inevitably we'd uh, settle into our bunks, uh, Fans would be on, the power's uh, doing its thing, phones are charging, and then all of a sudden, off would go the power. Uh, fans would go off, lights would go off, chargers would go off, uh, cue the, uh, the nighttime barking dogs and mosquitoes, and you just settled in to basically survive a hot, humid night. Well, that's kind of an illustration uh, of life without power. We need power in this world to live well. It takes power to do faith well. In fact, uh, a great example would be the very first followers of Christ in the events leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus. The disciples and all the followers of Christ are scattered uh, because of uh, what is unfolding. In fact, Peter is kind of the focused on as one who is living kind of an unempowered life. In fact, uh, when a teenage girl uh, questioned him about his association with Jesus, he lied and he, he said, I don't have any idea who you're talking about and no, I'm not one of his followers. Well, after the death and resurrection of Jesus and the, the outpouring of his spirit of power, we see that very same Peter uh, being used by God to bring healing to a crippled man. And uh, it creates quite a commotion. In fact, Peter and uh, John are arrested and they're brought before the authorities. An interesting question they asked him in Acts chapter 4, verse 7. They had Peter and John brought before them and they begin to question them. And here was, their, here was the issue. By what power or what name did you do this? Uh, where did you get the power to do something so dramatic and so miraculous. And uh, it's interesting, their response is they said, if, uh, if we're being called to account for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, and we're being asked how he was healed, then know this. Now, keep in mind, these are humble fishermen speaking to the authorities of the day who had all the power on their side. Uh, if we're being called to account, then know this, uh, and all of you people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, by the way, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man 
stands before you healed. And uh, literally, uh, these rulers, these authorities, the temple guards, the chief priests, they couldn't believe what was coming out of these humble followers of Jesus. In fact, uh, we're told uh, in verse 13, when they observed, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary people, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And uh, see, for the purposes of our study, powerful life, uh, it's, uh, they noticed the, the source of that power, that these humble men had been with Jesus, and therefore they lived with an unusual degree of courage and uh, ability. In fact, here's the truth. Empowered living is one of the evidences of being with Jesus. It's one of the consequences of being near enough to him that power comes from him and floods into our lives. In fact, here's the truth. It is not God's will for us to live unempowered lives. And if that's true, why do we? Why do we so often live powerless lives when it's certainly not God's will for us to do so? Well, uh, I'm glad you're thinking that way uh, because that's the essence of this series. Uh, how do we move beyond living uh, uncourageous, incapable, insecure, unempowered lives and move into that reality that is so much a part of being a follower of Jesus. Paul writes to one of, uh, one of his protégés, one of his disciples who he had poured life into, and uh, Timothy was kind of getting knocked off of his, uh, off of his uh, center spot. Uh, he was beginning to uh, live out his life in a way that didn't display the courage and the power of Christ. And here's what Paul writes to him. He said, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but God has given us a spirit of power and love and of self-discipline. Uh, so Paul is wanting to make a point that the fear that we so often allow to shape our decisions and our actions that we maybe uh, carry in our own hearts that no one knows but us and the timid uh, response to life's challenges and life's difficulties, tiptoeing around issues and living lives that are really kind of covered rather than up front and out loud. Uh, if we are living that way with a lot of fear and managing our timid response to life, Paul wants us to know something. That's not from God. That's not God's will. That's not God's uh, desire for his kids. God has something better for you. And that's what Paul is reminding Timothy of. Uh, that fearful, timid approach to life is not from God. And you might ask, well, where does it come from? Uh, but more importantly, what comes from God is a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of self-discipline. In fact, Paul says, he's already given that to you. He's already poured that into your life. You just need to fan into flames these gifts. And uh, it reminded me when I thought of fanning uh, embers into flames when uh, my wife and I were new uh, parents. We had our newborn in the house and our only source of heat that winter 
was a wood stove in our living room, uh, nothing else in the rest of the house. And uh, when that wood stove wasn't fired up, you were living in a, a freezer. And uh, so one, one evening we got in, it was particularly cold. The rooms all felt uh, frigid. And uh, I got a hairdryer out, plugged it in, opened the door of that wood stove, and just started blowing that hot air on those embers. And uh, I got that thing going so intense and so hot, I thought it was going to melt the iron uh, that the wood stove was made of. And pretty soon the walls were so hot, we had to dampen them with wet towels. But uh, if you can take that picture of uh, fanning into flames, that gift of power, that gift of love, and those gifts of self-discipline, uh, you begin to get an idea of what God is inviting us to. And uh, I would ask you, what would that look like for you? If you are a follower of Jesus and there is resident in you uh, this gifting of God's power and ability and love and self-discipline, what would that look like for you if you fanned those things into flames and they became so intense that they impacted not only your own life, but those around you. I would, I would suggest that some of the inner turmoil that we carry, some of the anxieties that we nurture, some of the fears that we tiptoe around, they would give way. Uh, some of the situations we avoid, some of the people we avoid because they're challenging or difficult. If that spirit of love were fanned into flames, we would move toward those people rather than away from them and uh, a spirit of self-discipline if that were fanned into flames we would live our lives with a greater sense of intention and purpose paul talks about not being blown around by the wind of circumstance but we would be more uh, directed and intentional and forthright and decisive about how our lives are progressing in fact someone said uh, we're all going to end up somewhere how about ending up somewhere on purpose? And that's what that spirit of self-discipline when fanned into flames allows us to do. Um, what if instead of facing life with uncertainty and timidity, we approach life with a sense of ability, the kind of courage we saw displayed in Peter, where he was willing to stand up in front of the authorities of his time and speak clearly about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And I would ask you, would that make your life better? Uh, would you be happier day to day if you were operating in that gifting, in that empowerment that God wants to supply you with? Uh, my four-year-old grandson uh, is on a power trip right now. He loves thinking about superpowers. And uh, whenever I get to spend time with him, inevitably we'll play this game where uh, we both have superpowers and which one's going to win out. Now, his parents have tried to turn that interest in superpowers uh, towards good things. They talk about the power of being well hydrated and the power of good nutrition and eating good foods. And so we'll be running around the playground and I'll extend my hands at him and say, hydration power, I'm going to do you in. And uh, he'll push his hands back out towards me and say, uh, freeze hydration power, and I'm freezing all of your water. And uh, inevitably, uh, we have this power battle. Uh, I'll come to a point where I'll say, he's got too much power. I'm getting out of here. And uh, as I run, 
uh, he feels empowered. He feels like, wow, I do have abilities. Now, I think that God wants to do that kind of thing with his kids, only it's not pretend. It's the real deal. Uh, receiving power from God to live well. And here's a, here's a biblical perspective. Receiving power from God to live well is not an accessory. It's not an add-on. It's not something that certain uh, sectors of his people uh, tap into. It's, a, it's an absolute essential for following Jesus, for living the life that God has called us to. It's, uh, it's essential for carrying out the good and perfect will of God in our in ourselves, in our relationships, in our homes, in our families, in our work lives. Uh, listen to Paul's prayer for a group of Christ followers. We've uh, gone to this prayer several times this year, but uh, he says, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life that is worthy of the Lord and you may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, uh, growing in the knowledge of God. And then this key statement, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance. See, Paul is saying that uh, to live worthy lives, to live lives that please God in every way. Part of it is we need to be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. That is God's will. And uh, Paul prays that we would be filled with the knowledge of that and then tap into the reality of what God promised. I love this uh, Psalm 110. It's uh, what is known as an enthronement psalm. And it speaks of the consequences or the outcomes when the king is victorious and uh, not surprisingly the early church took this psalm and they applied it to jesus christ and his death his burial his resurrection his ascension as a victorious king here's what psalm 110 verse 3 says your troops your followers your people will be willing on your day of battle in other words they'll run to the battle rather than away from it and then this interesting poetic statement, arrayed in holy splendor, your young men will come to you like dew from the morning's womb. And we hear that and go, what? Wait, what, what in the world is that talking about? Uh, well, uh, here's a couple of different translations. Uh, uh, one says, um, clothed with mighty power from God, we will be confident, bold, and courageous. We can run to the battles in life rather than away from them. Uh, the message version says, you were forged a strong scepter by God of Zion. Now rule, though surrounded by your enemies and your people, that would be us, will freely join you, resplendent in holy armor on the great day of your conquest. Well, in real-time language, here's what that psalm is referencing. That clothed with power from God, we can be the kind of people who, who run to the challenges in life, who run to the messy situations, who run to the battlefront, knowing that God has something he wants to accomplish. And there's a willingness, there's a readiness, uh, there's an ability to, to put ourselves out there for the things that matter in life. We have a, a spirit of power, a spirit of love, 
a spirit of self-discipline that makes us address rather than avoid the things that can make a difference in our lives? Well, here's a good question, and we asked it last week. How do we do this? You know, how do ordinary people think of those first disciples, perhaps unschooled people? How do we tap into, how do we fan into flames the extraordinary power that God has for us to live well. Well, if you uh, heard last week's uh, introductory message into the series, uh, we made this point from a woman who had suffered uh, from an issue of blood for 12 years. She spent all of her wealth, all of her energy. Nothing helped her at all until she thought, well, maybe if I could just touch the hem of the garment of Jesus, I would be made well. And we made this observation that to receive power from God, you have to find your grit. You have to find your own resiliency and use it to connect with God's willingness to empower you. That's what this woman dramatically portrayed as in her weakness, in her anemic state, she pressed through the crowd and she touched Jesus. And the moment that she did, the scriptures say power went out from him and into her. Uh, And that's exactly what God is inviting you to, uh, that you would find your grit and your resiliency and use it to connect with God's desire to empower you. Well, uh, I want to add to that uh, insight uh, kind of a slightly different uh, side of it. And and I would say it like this. We either choose to access the power that Jesus promised and that God wants to give us or we continue to live in the limitations of our own resources. Uh, please hear that again and, and let those words kind of uh, land uh, someplace on, in your thoughts and in your heart. We either choose to access the power that Jesus talked about and promised, or we live in the limitations of our own resources. Uh, now, uh, that's an amazing uh, invitation, really, Uh, to be empowered to live beyond ourselves. You know, there's a scene that comes at the end of Luke's gospel uh, where uh, Luke records the words of Jesus. He's passing the baton. He's commissioning his followers. He's he's preparing them uh, to take charge of the mission that he brought to the earth. And here's what he says to them. Luke chapter 24, verse 49, and I love the old language of this version. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, uh, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. I'd like to read that again, and when we come to that last part, wherever you're listening to this message, I would encourage you, read it out loud, and behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. You know, uh, Luke was so uh, fascinated with this promise of power that would come upon his followers to uh, give them the ability to live well in this world that Luke begins his sequel, uh, the book of Acts, with the very same place that he left off uh, in his gospel. Uh, We're told in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, Luke records the words of Jesus in a slightly different way. 
Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. And then in verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, do you, do you catch the theme there? Stay in the city. Do not leave Jerusalem. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. I want to ask you a question uh, at this point uh, to kind of connect you with what Jesus is inviting us to do. Have you ever disregarded something uh, you clearly knew you should have done and then later regretted it? Come on, anyone? Can anyone besides me relate to that? You totally disregarded something you clearly knew you should have done, and then later you uh, you were left to manage the consequences. Uh, I once owned, a, as a, a teenager, I owned a Volkswagen Bug, and uh, one of the things I knew about that Volkswagen, uh, open the hood, it didn't have a radiator. It had what's called an air-cooled engine. And uh, one of the truisms uh, I heard when I got that car was don't ever run an air-cooled engine low on oil uh, for obvious reasons. It'll overheat and you'll wreck your engine. Well, uh, one night I was uh, on a highway just trying to get home, and lo and behold, my oil light came on. And uh, literally, there was no place to uh, get oil at that time of night. And uh, so I did what anyone would do. I kept driving and uh, you know, kind of tapped the light. It didn't go off. I was obviously low on oil, and then at one point, um, all I can remember is it sounded like a bunch of nuts and bolts in a tin can, and you were wildly shaking it. And that was the sound of my engine that was once purring. And uh, I lived with the consequences of a ruined engine because I disregarded something that I clearly knew I should have done. But here's the truth. The stakes get much higher than that. Uh, the consequences are greater. The cost is more. In fact, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, there was a professional golfer. His name was John Rahm, and he was uh, leading uh, a prestigious golf tournament, the Colonial Golf Tournament. And uh, come to the end of the third of four rounds, he was dominating the field. He was on his game. He's a rate, the number two rated golfer in the world, and this would have really kind of catapulted his career forward, not to mention... Uh, a $1.7 million uh, winner's purse. And uh, at the end of that third round, he had a six-stroke lead. Winning on the next day was a foregone conclusion. And uh, as he walked off the green, he was informed by one of the officials that he had tested positive for COVID uh, that morning. And uh, according to rules he had agreed with, he uh, was disqualified on the spot. Uh, no prestige. No number one ranking in the world, no uh, $1.7 million, just the regret of having uh, decided to put off being vaccinated. In fact, uh, he, he knew he had been around some COVID-positive people, and just a few days before the tournament, he got jabbed, as they say, uh, but it was too late. And see, here's the truth. When we disregard things that we clearly know we ought to do, we uh, are left with the consequences. But the truth is, the stakes get higher than that. Uh, I had a friend who, um, he knew 
uh, as he was getting up there in years, he should have gone in for a colonoscopy. It was that time in life when it's just prudent uh, to check those things out. But he put it off. He put it off. And he put it off until one season in life, he started experiencing some symptoms. And when he went in for a checkup, uh, he found he had stage four colon cancer. And though he put up a valiant fight, uh, that disease took his life. But see, here's the truth. When we disregard the things that we clearly know we ought to do, there are consequences. We have to live with the outcomes. And uh, when we clearly know that we're not to leave the city. We're to wait for the promise of God. We're to fan into flames the gift of power to be able to live well. And we don't do it. We don't wait. We aren't clothed. We don't receive. We don't fan into flames. Uh, the consequences are disastrous. And we have to live with those results. You know, uh, uh, the wording is used, the promise of my father, which you heard me speak about. Uh, Jesus didn't leave his disciples in the dark about being powered up by God. In fact, uh, if you read John's gospel, I would encourage you, if this topic is of interest to you, John chapter 14 through 17, Jesus talks about the power and the promise of God that is now, uh, they can anticipate it, they can uh, expect it, they can receive it. They can live in it. And some of the things he says in those chapters, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. In other words, I'm not going to leave you uh, to live an unempowered life. I'm not going to leave you to fend for yourself and figure it out on your own, but I will come to you through the presence of the Spirit, and you'll be empowered to live well. Uh, Jesus said uh, on that day, when they, when they are clothed with power, they will realize he, that I am in the Father, that you are in me, and I'm in you. What's he saying? Uh, you'll not be left unloved, unincluded, on the outside looking in, but the, the Spirit will open up the eyes of your understanding and allow you to see how, how loved you are by God, how near he is to you, and how uh, you you can live out of that sense of assurance. That's the spirit of love. Uh, Jesus said he will take what is mine and make it known to you. In other words, we won't uh, live an unenlightened life. Uh, we'll live a life of discipline because we will be aware of the truth about God and the implications of that for our lives. Well, I, I do want to say this. This ability that comes from God that lifts us beyond our own resources gives us the strength and the courage and the wherewithal and the resources to live well. This is the kind of spiritual power that uh, people throughout human history have sought to tap into. You can look at every world religion, uh, every spiritually minded quest, and the desire is the same to tap into that, that, that wherewithal that, that is woven into the universe. However uh, they believe and identify, there's that, that common desire to access the ability that comes from God. This would be true of Buddhist priests, tribal holy men, alchemists, and spiritualists. It's true of uh, Christians as well, monastics and mystics uh, who sought to be closer to God, to access the ability that comes from God, to live for God. Uh, 
prayer retreats, uh, times of solitude. We call it making space for God, self-denial, Lent, spiritual fasting. In modern terms, we would call it becoming centered, becoming mindful, uh, finding that place of serenity and tranquility. What do these all have in common? It's uh, people admitting that, yes, they have capabilities. Yes, they have abilities, but they also have limitations. And it's people admitting a need uh, for a higher power to help us live well. And, And the truth is the same for all of us. We all have capabilities, but we don't have all the answers within ourselves. We all have fortitude, but there are issues that are greater than our resolve. Uh, We all have an ability to control and manage things and manipulate them at times, but uh, our control and our management and our abilities to influence come to an end. And we realize in those moments that we need ability that comes from God. It's a It's almost like a highly trained soldier, well-equipped, body armor, about to enjoin the battle. And in that moment, uh, when when everything's on the line, uh, that soldier would fish out his dog tags and kiss them or make a cross and and utter a prayer to God. God, I need your help. I need your power. I need your strength. I need your ability to do this well. Uh, In other words, God, if your help is an option, that's one I want to enjoin. Uh, I want to be arrayed in holy majesty so that I can be willing when, when everything is on the line or when those difficult conversations require courage and not timidity and that spirit of love and self-discipline that you offer to me. Well, I want to lead us into a prayer. And I was mindful as I was preparing this message of the many times when Jesus offered ability to live well, the power that comes from God. But at one specific occasion, he was speaking of a woman who relationally was obviously at the end of her rope. Uh, She had been through five husbands, Jesus said, and the, the one that she was with now, she wasn't married to. Uh, obviously, uh, she had failed in relationships. And as Jesus began to engage her in conversation and bring the hope and the love of God to her, he made this amazing statement. He said, woman, if you knew who it is that is talking to you and the gift that he is offering, you would have asked him. And uh, I just put that in front of you uh, this week. And if we knew Uh, the disposition of Jesus Christ, that so much of what he did, he did to open up the floodgates of God's power into our lives. And uh, it's not an accessory. It's not an add-on. It's not something that some need and others don't. It's essential uh, for animating and uh, enlivening and giving us the ability to live life well in all of its uh, complexity. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, thank you. Uh, for your great love that you have for people. When we look at uh, creation, we see power on display. When we look at uh, the dependability of what you have made and the, and the interwoven nature of your good creation, we see your ability, as your word says, to hold all things together by the word of your power. And Lord, we would just acknowledge 
We need that, Lord. We need our lives to be held together by the word of your power. And I pray right now, Lord, for all of us who are uh, entertaining these truths, uh, Lord, that we would be like that woman again who pressed through the crowd. And, and when she touched you, power went out from you. And Lord, I pray for that ability right now that uh, wherever people find themselves, and Lord, maybe there's some that are living in fear and timidity, avoiding uh, the, the issues uh, that need to be tended to in their lives. Lord, maybe there's some that are locked in addiction and uh, they just know they don't have the ability within themselves to walk away from that. But Lord, there's hope today. There's that sense that if I could just touch you, something of ability would come from you and into me and it would make a difference in the, the battles that I face. And Lord, that's the kind of power we're asking for right now. And Lord, I pray that you would give all of us the ability to, to wait, to find our own place of solitude, uh, to make sure that connection is there, that power grid is on and that we are receiving everything that you want to pour into us, clothe us with so that we can do life well, Lord, in all of its complexity. And I would just pray for any that are hearing these words and you're thinking, you know, I never knew uh, Jesus wanted to do those kinds of things for me and help me in those ways. And in fact, it's one of the reasons maybe you've never opened your life to him, uh, but you're sensing now would be a, a, the right time. Uh, you know, clearly this is something you ought to do, and I'm exhorting you, uh, don't put that off. Uh, don't bear the consequences of clearly uh, not doing something that you know God would use to bring you to a better place in life. And so I'd lead you in this prayer. Uh, Lord Jesus, I, I like what I've heard about you, and I, I believe that it's your desire to empower me to live better. And I want to open up to that, Lord. I want to receive the gift that comes as a result of your sacrifice. I thank you for what I've heard today about your death, your resurrection, your ascension, your pouring out uh, gifts upon people. I want to be one of those, Lord. And so uh, make me a child of God. Make me a new creation, Lord Jesus. Come into my life. Teach me how to walk with you, how to receive strength from you. I pray that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.